You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe, the number is 94198377. You've been listening. I love the bicycle. I always have. I can think of no sincere, decent human being, male or female, young or old, saintly or sinful, who can resist the bicycle. Well, we know. That's right, pedal those blues away. Welcome back, you're tuned to the Yarrabug Radio Show here on 3CR, podcasting, streaming, 855 on the AM dial on your transistor. Many thanks to Democracy Now! and Amy Goodman for before show. And just as a heads up, we are recording this because we're all back in lockdown. We've got a bit of a show coming up. Our usual bike moments and news and a few summaries of things. I had one of those lovely bike moments in the park just yesterday because I'm not riding around so much, so I'm not having too many bike uh, moments on the move. My local park has been a great sanctuary for a lot of people around this area and particularly I love it to bits. There is a wonderful corner of it that is just full of river gums and not much undergrowth and a wonderful little replanted with native gardens. And as walking through there yesterday, just lovely to see mum, three kids, the cargo bike, just parked on the grasslands, tucked inside even the native trees, enjoying... And I presume a lovely little luncheon then, right off home afterwards. It was just one of those lovely little moments where you can see the bike is a lot more than just a transport vehicle.
Hi, this is Faith. As Val mentioned, we're recording our individual contributions this week to the Arabug Radio Show from home. I guess I'll start off with my bike moment. This week's bike moment, I'm remembering a ride in the Wombat Forest not long before the new restrictions were in place. It's one of my favourite spots to ride at the moment. It's so close to Melbourne. There seems to be an almost endless supply of gravel or dirt roads. And in the winter, when there's no four-wheel drives, it's an absolutely magical place. Um, you know, you, you, there's often you come around a big bend on Burnt Mile Creek Road or over crest a little hill and as you go down through the next patch of forest there's this incredibly sweet smell from uh, the damp sort of eucalypts and that it has a reputation for being particularly cold and damp but I found as long as you're moving that doesn't really matter very much I'm also mentioning it this week because at the moment there is a mining company doing exploration in the wombat forest up the Blackwood end um, and an interest in mining the area, which um, I think would be awful for many of us. So I'm going to post a link in the podcast when we put this show up to the local activists who are trying to um, engage people on getting that mining stopped. Okay, let's have a look at some news. I've got a bit of an update on uh, some of the local responses uh, in terms of bicycle infrastructure in response to COVID-19. And, and clearly with restrictions in Victoria going into place again, this has an extra poignancy. Sydney Cycleways have opened the first of their pop-up bike lanes uh, in the past week. And, you know, so following a lot of the international examples in that they really got that up and going very quickly. You know, there's some variation in the idea of what a pop-up lane should be and some are taking longer than others, but Sydney really seem to have worked that out and I've seen a lot of good reports about that lane. Also, here in the city of Yarra, work has started on the Elizabeth Street pop-up lane. This is a, a separated lane that is quite dear to my heart because I, I ride down that section of Elizabeth Street quite a bit and have often thought this needs to be separated. It connects to the Albert Street lane, so needs separation. So it's good to see that is so quickly underway. And also during the week, Moreland Council voted on several cycling issues at the meeting on Wednesday evening. One was the COVID-19 responses in terms of pedestrian and cycling infrastructure and unanimously and without amendment passed a whole raft of issues which included pop-up bike lanes on Dawson Street in Brunswick which would link RMIT and Brunswick Secondary College to the upfield bike path pop-up bike lanes on Albion Street and Brunswick to link the upfield to the shared section of path on Albion Street and pop-up bike lanes on Kent Road and Northumberland Road in Pascoe Vale. 
Uh, also, pop-up shared zones on Albert Street and Victoria Street around the Brunswick Shimmy as it goes through Fleming Park. There'll also be several uh, pedestrian treatments and some initiatives around lowering speed limits. Another important thing, in addition to those, is that Moreland Council are taking up the course on Sydney Road again. So uh, a trial area of uh, the Sydney Road uh, separated path that was suggested but was not uh, put in place. So some good responses to uh, the idea of uh, shared spaces and how we use them in a time where there needs to be more social distancing and how we give people more options at a time where, you know, you don't want to be getting on public transport if it's going to be crowded. Okay, so coming up today, we have an interview with Anthony Eisenberg from CrowdSpot and Anthony was running the BikeSpot 2020 project in partnership with the Amy Gillett Foundation. We did have a chat to Anthony, if you remember, earlier in the year uh, when BikeSpot 2020 was underway. But it seems like a good idea to catch up with him now that he's had a chance to crunch the data and make some observations about what came out of uh, everyone recording their perceptions of safety or otherwise while riding their bicycles. Here's Anthony. Bike Squat 2020 is the follow-up from the Bike Squat project we did first back in 2016. And it's really around crowdsourcing, cycling, perceptions of safety. So where people feel safe and unsafe um, when riding a bike in Victoria. We partnered with the Amy Gillett Foundation and 12 local government areas and the state government, Vic Roads and the Department of Transport. And they will gain access to the data and to help them plan community priorities in cycling infrastructure. So the, the map was open for two months from March 31st till May 31st. And we collected just over, I mean, 31,000 uh, submissions. That's made up of the, the pins on the map and then comments and, and votes. And that was a, a significant jump on the number that we did back in 2016, which I think had 18,000 total submissions. So really big numbers all around, but so important that we have a really strong data set for, for making it valuable for government decision makers. And yeah, just on that increase in uh, submissions, I know the 2016 project was limited to metropolitan Melbourne. Do, yeah. Is is that difference reflected in the contribution from regional Victoria? Um, the bulk is still very much so in metropolitan Melbourne. So mm. I think... 12% of all the submissions or maybe just the data points that depends on an upper in regional Victoria. So, you know, just under 90% are in metropolitan Melbourne. So the, I think it, did, it, it is a con contributing factor, but still within the, the major hotspots of where cycling participation is, it's yeah. uh, metropolitan Melbourne. Yeah. Okay. And the other thing I was wondering about, because the project did coincide with pretty much with the first major lockdown in Melbourne due to the pandemic. Yeah. But, um, and anecdotally... It's kind of strange how the, the, lockdowns, the lockdowns have bookended the, the project. <laughs> it's kind of strange. So um, anecdotally, we, we heard, and also the Vic Roads 
data on bike paths supports the idea that there's a lot more people taking to their bicycles. Do you think the project was reaching new riders? It's a really good question and we approach, I mean, yes, it did reach new riders, but the vast majority of submissions were from those that classify themselves as very confident. So, you know, it's rare that a new rider will jump on and immediately be very confident. Yeah. The, you know, so that was like 75% were very confident. Um, I think it was like 20-something percent were in the somewhat confident, and it was only yep. 4% were in the interested but concerned. So thankfully we had such a big data set that that 4% still represented enough to, yeah. But we tap into community groups that already speak to existing riders. So the only other way is really with the, the broad media. And so we did get a good run in publications like uh, The Age and Broadsheet during the, the data collection period, and that... Mm-hmm may have spurred on new riders and that may have started during the, the lockdown period um, to participate in the project, but it's still pretty small and it's hard. It's really hard to tap into those, that group. Yeah, no, it is. Um, but it, it, it's interesting then that um, because perception of safety, you know, is often framed around uh, it, it prevents people from taking up cycling and uh, it's a big issue for new riders. So, to hear that you yes. get such a, a huge response from people who see themselves as confident riders is is also yeah. a, a very important set of data. Yeah, that's right. And so what that really means is that if 75% of these submissions are from very confident riders, we can be pretty certain that any with anyone with a lower level of confidence would also find that pretty um, scary. Or, like yeah, or just wouldn't be riding. Or just or wouldn't, wouldn't be, be riding. riding. Yeah. Yeah, it would put them off. Um, interestingly, for that for that cohort that are interested but concerned, their biggest stress factor. So when you added an unsafe spot on the map, you could give for that location a category, such as traffic speed or the bike lane ends or something like that. And you could also rate your level of stress, you know, from zero to four. What is this? Where does it fit? Four being the highest level of stress. And the highest level of stress on average for the interested but concerned, like the lowest confidence level was when the cycle lane ends. So that's that yep. really just, just just saying that if we if we don't have a connected cycleway or connected network of cycleways, then it's gonna put people off and they get really flustered and scared when they then all of a sudden have to start mixing yep. with other modes of traffic. Um, well and totally particularly their level of confidence. Those those endings often occur at the most stressful points, like intersections. Yeah, you know that's right. The way they're done here in uh, Melbourne and Victoria, ending of the cycle path is a particular stress point. What other key takeaways did you find? The well, there was a. I mean, the, the sort of the head, the big headline items were around the the top unsafe spots. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, it's, there's a familiar, I guess, um, top 10. I mean, four of the top 10 that were in the 2016 are featured again in the, in the 2020 map, and that's mm-hmm. um, Sydney Road, St Kilda Road, Haymarket Roundabout, and the South Bank in Yarra Promenade. And then, in addition, we've got Chapel Street, two sections, like the, the northern section was number nine, I think, and the, the southern section, so 
south of Turek Road to Dandenong was number one, actually. So just very similar to Sydney Road, narrow, very limited um, protection, maybe a, a line or a stencil marking, but very little yep. room in between the, the traffic tram and parked cars and drawing risk. So that's that's a pretty significant issue in those parts. Um, and traffic speed was the highest stress rating for, for, for most riders, mm-hmm. which, which as we just discussed was very confident. Um, but it also traffic speed featured the least amount. But so what that really is saying that people don't want to ride with fast traffic. So they, yep. they will find locations to ride away from fast traffic. But if they have to ride with fast traffic and some people don't have a choice, particularly in the other suburbs of Melbourne, uh, then, or even in regional areas, then they'll persist through riding through traffic locations of high traffic speed, but it's not. And yeah, that's sort of the, there are some other big findings as well. We mentioned, um, oh, the, the other big one, just coming, looking, thinking back on it was, um, in terms of a frequent, the most, most frequently cited in terms of daily, a daily occurrence or, you know, on people's commutes is around car dooring. So that's features quite heavily as well. And when you think about traffic speed and car dooring, it's not, it can be sold a little bit sold with infrastructure and soft infrastructure, but a lot of it is other drive behavior, you know, as well that can be prevented. Preventing. So you can put a barrier in between a door um, or a buffer in between door and a cycle path, but um, it's really unpredictable because it involves other, other human behavior yep. as well. But you can, Traffic's coming up from behind you at speed, or door suddenly opens. It's hard to avoid as well. So it's really uh, um, seems fairly consistently to point to the need to separate drivers and riders to the greatest extent. Yeah, and that that's really it. People don't like mixing with traffic. They want to connect and network. And a dedicated space to ride. And to be honest, that's we, we for the first time we asked drivers, car drivers, their perspective on whether they don't feel safe driving in relation yep. to, to cycling, and and they want separation as well. Granted, there's limited space on some roads to for everyone to have this their space. That's where some smart network planning can come into play. And but that's right. It's the mix doesn't quite work in terms of building confidence. And getting more people riding, and you know that's not new. It's it's validating. Just like the the top safe spots are all at locations that are either very well separated or off road, uh-huh. validating what people want, where people feel safe, behaviour and infrastructure. The, the really important point is that government gets this data and they put it into the mix when planning their infrastructure improvements, rather than purely looking at historical cycling crashes or asking a narrow a very narrow um, cohort or advocacy group you know that it needs to be when i say in the mix so it's looking at the top where you know you can sort of based on votes and comments and the density of spots on the map where are the top priorities according to the community and then at crash data volume data and you can start to sort of paint a picture of all biggest bang for buck i mean you've got other factors as well like the challenges of limited road space and opposition from retail traders and stuff like that that it's it's quite complex but um it's an, it's an important part of the story to tell because it has such a big impact on people's willingness to ride yeah they don't feel safe there they're not going to ride so that's that's the main thing and this was the first time 
you've included data from regional Victoria. Were there any uh, surprising stories there? Was there particular cities that contributed beyond what you were expecting or? Yeah, I think that there was, well, we didn't have a, unfortunately, a, a regional council partner. So we didn't have our government partners um, promote the project to their local community. So we, it was really left to, uh, I mean, so, some councils promoted it anyway, even though they weren't partners. Um, yeah. Because they just saw it as a valuable project in Bendigo for once. But a lot of the, there were some bicycle user groups, particularly in, um, um, Camp Aspey, Shire, which, Echuca. They were mm -hmm. very active, so I think they had five or six of the top ten regional spots were in that in that area, and they they got in touch before and you know sort of asked for a bit of assistance around some information to help promote the project, and so they were very well organised and have been able to highlight the um the some of the biggest bribes in the local area to for, for the local government to take notice. So it was really split between that Echuca area, the town of Echuca, and the Geelong Bellarine Peninsula area. Okay. Um, yeah. Then there were some big. There were sort of the two, the two areas where the regional top spots were broken down. Um, but yeah, there was a, there was some differences in you know, you know obviously not obviously, but car dooring was less of a feature in regional areas um, than it is in metropolitan Melbourne. Traffic speed was a bigger issue in regional areas than it was in metropolitan Melbourne. So there are there are some key differences. Um, those been two, but yeah, that's that's about it. That springs to mind now. Yeah, and within metropolitan Melbourne itself, you know, we often see uh, cycling as an inner Melbourne issue. That's something that's uh, of priority in the inner ring of suburbs. Does the data show it um, moving out from the uh, those in that inner ring into the next tier of suburbs? Um, there's no doubt that the sort of the uh, there's a fair portion, a, a high proportion of um, you know pins on the map are in the inner city of Melbourne. Those sort of five IMAP councils of Melbourne: Yarra, Stonington, mm -hmm. Maribyrnong, and Yarra. City of Melbourne had the most. I think they had over a thousand. So they've got a lot of valuable data out of the, the exercise. But I haven't done, didn't look into sort of, um, if, you know, proportionally compared to 2016 okay. to 2020. If if it if there's a greater proportion outside of that sort of inner yeah. 10 kilometer from the CBD area. But it would be interesting. We did have local partners in Dandenong, Whittlesea, Monash, Banyul, and they did really well to get. To promote to the local community, get a bulk of the data sets, a bulk of the the data as well, relative to their other community engagement projects, they're really happy. Yeah. Uh, but definitely, in the city of Melbourne, gets the gets the fair share. Yeah. I just thought it'd be interesting, considering um, you know we now have the city of Glenara looking at separated bike lanes, and um, it it seems to be something that's becoming an more awareness and an issue, yeah, beyond that first ring of suburbs. Yeah, I think it's it's really positive and probably predates um, the COVID crisis and people yep. needing to get places but but do it with space. But there's been this you know recent movement to 
sort of temporary bicycleways, and yep. hopefully that'll kick things along as well in in these sort of middle ring uh, suburbs to gain access to town and not upon a bus or a train. Oh, and if people want to have a look at the data from uh, the project, they can go to the website. Yeah, they can. So they can jump on to bikespot.org. And there will be a link to sort of the top five findings, which I think we've mentioned a few of them, the PDF report and an interactive archive map. So people can open that map up in a new tab and explore the data in their local area. And it's a little bubble map so you can sort of see where the concentration of submissions are. And many thanks to Anthony Eisenberg from CrowdSpot for that interview about BikeSpot 2020. As Anthony mentioned, you can check out all the detail about the project at bikespot.org. We'll also post a link up with the podcast. Now we'd normally finish up with some events for you to take part in, but clearly we can't do that. I will give you a reminder that under the current COVID restrictions in Melbourne, you are allowed to go for a ride for exercise. You're allowed to do that with the members of your household or with one other person and maintaining social distancing while you do so. Also a reminder that 3CR is run by volunteers and relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. So check out the website at 3cr.org.au and maybe you can make a donation uh, if you're able to, to help keep the station on air in very trying times. To finish up today, here is Val with uh, a literary uh, interlude to finish off the program. Over the years, I've tried to bring a different quote to the show. I think if a lot of people have noticed, I have repeated a few of them, very rarely, but I do mark them nowadays, so I don't know. Just a little digression here. I'll read you something that has a direct connection to William Soyana's quote to begin with at the start of the show. The gross and net result of it is that people who spent most of their natural lives riding iron bicycles over the rocky roadsteads of this parish get their personalities mixed up with their personalities of their bicycle as a result of the interchanging of the atoms of each of them and you would be surprised by the number of people in these parts who nearly are half people and half bicycle. Now that quote is from Sergeant Pluck, one of the characters in um, Flann O'Brien's great kooky book. I'm going to refer, go back to kooky in a sec, The Third Policeman. And the interesting connection between the two of them um, Flann O'Brien book was really only published and recognised after his death. He tried to get it published at some stage in Ireland and England and his normal publisher who published his first book wouldn't publish it. He convinced one of his close friends who was an Armenian refugee who ended up in America and was on a tour back to see Armenia for the first time, William Soyana. He made advances to his American publisher to see if he would publish The Third Policeman. 
After a period of time, Flam O'Brien gave up on the idea of getting it published, and any time anybody asked him what he'd done with the manuscript, one of his great excuses was that he'd left it in the boot of the car and it was on the way to Roscommon spread along the road. It was very wrong, that quote. I think he was just putting anything, everybody else. They're interesting, both characters. I've read described... The third policeman is sometimes described as the first postmodern novel, but it's interesting to see that both of them focus on the bicycle. The original crime in The Third Policeman, if you haven't read the story, the victim is beaten to death with a modified bicycle pump. And I think, oh, I can't remember this, I should have looked it up. The last words in the book, I think, are actually when they walk back to the police station and the... I think it's, or it mightn't be Sergeant Pluck says, so, it's about the bicycle, is it? Anyway, it's nice to see that little bit of uh, synchronicity between those two, both leaving at the same time, both friends of each other, and both very passionate about the bicycle, one taking it to a level beyond just the physical. 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.